Welcome back, Juventini. I just wanted to uh, thank you guys for all the support, and uh, I just wanted to give you a quick notice that this is going to be a two-part podcast. Obviously, this part is uh, going to be uploaded first, and um, in the next few days, I'm going to be able to cut the next section, and uh, it'll all be unedited as usual, but uh, just wanted to split it up to make it a little bit easier for you guys. So... Uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast and uh, I will uh, be uh, putting up the next one in a couple days. So enjoy, guys. Swagger on point when I step in Signs in the air for the gang that you're repping Don't get brave when I'm stepping in the rave If you show my love, everything's okay So if we're alive, you're brave to have fun in If there ain't girls in the place, we ain't coming Middle finger up to the Jake, stepping in with the gang Please tell the police they can't come in Show me a salute, that's gang Pure love for the crew, that's gang Don't chat shit if you ain't gonna bang Just show man a sign if you're down for the gang Show me a salute, that's gang Pure love for the crew, that's gang Don't chat shit if you ain't gonna bang Just show man a sign if you're down for the gang Welcome back, Juventini. This is the second Juventini Back to Black and White podcast. My name is Daniel Negro, and I'm live from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And today we have another great guest on uh, to discuss Juve. So just before I bring him on, uh, you know, it's been great to see all the, the the amazing feedback and a lot of people watching. And uh, I could just ask for all of you guys, please smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, you're going to see the the little logo on the right bottom right corner. You can also hit that as well. And yeah, just drop any comments, feedback, any questions, any topics you guys want to you guys want to bring up for the next podcast, next guest, and uh, it really helps me grow. And thankfully, the applications and all the information needed uh, to be inputted for Spotify and iTunes, uh, and all, as well as Google Podcasts, are finally in so barring any problems that should be coming very soon for anyone who needs a more audio friendly version to listen to i know it's kind of difficult on youtube especially if you don't have premium and who the hell wants to pay for that shit so um anyways we have today a juve fan from san fran uh his name's farouk and uh he goes on twitter by the handle Forza Pimonte, and yes, Jesse, that's hilarious. You like you like to bring that up, and also his name is the Juventus Armchair Supporter Group. So Farouk, welcome. It's great to have Thank you on. You. Thanks for having me. So, uh, what made you come up with the name? Because I love the name; it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, um, was it. Not in the middle of, but I was noticing a lot of Twitter feuds going on, and I was thinking to myself that you know we have a lot of armchair supporters and supporters who probably um, may not even you know they're they're not um, 
some of them maybe um, have come to Juve after supporting some other clubs and may have come in there for Ronaldo and things like that. And um, I get, thought of it as a name to kind of be ironic and kind of be passive aggressive a little bit. Yeah, we all um, like to uh, we all like to sit in our armchairs and talk shit, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think partly it was a joke about myself too because you know I'm not a ticket season ticket holder or anything. I didn't go to the stadium. I am. I live in some foreign country. I've always lived in some foreign country, and I follow from a distance. So it's kind of a joke on myself too, in a way. Well, me too, and I like that you're being honest because a lot of people like to get uh, very uh, protective of their fandom and anyone calling that into question so but anyway just a quick uh r.i.p to the uh to the intro song i know you probably noticed that it's not the same as the last one unfortunately the song was called juve juve by lubiak and renzo cochis sung by the undici bianconeri and it was an iconic Eno from the 70s and i thought it would have been a perfect intro um, but unfortunately, I really don't want to have to deal with the Italian Collection Society and they copyright claimed the first podcast, but uh, it wasn't monetized anyway, so really it doesn't affect me. Um, so it's going to stay up, and uh, but unfortunately, that'll be the last time that that song will be on there now. So we're just going to keep, uh, keep up with some copyright free music and... And there's actually quite a few songs that I didn't realize could be used, so uh, that's going to make up what the majority of the intro music is going to be, and it'll change from time to time. And but on the on the on a happy note, there is a, there is a Twitter uh, follower and uh, someone that I'm actually talking to that is potentially going to be making an intro for me, so that is in the works, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that, and hopefully letting you guys listen to it and that'll be the intro from whenever that comes out also unfortunately uh in today's uh world i think everyone kind of knows what has happened and an r.i.p to george floyd it was kind of an it was a really unfortunate uh passing and you don't like to see uh things like that happen in 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 life and it was unfortunate that uh, his his life uh was taken by a police officer and um, yeah, just condolences to his family. And uh, I think uh, from what I've seen on social media, it's, it's, there's been a lot of support for him and his family and uh, just the movement. But one thing I do want to note though, is the rioting and looting is not the answer. Violence doesn't uh, solve or change anyone's opinion with more violence. So, I think if anyone out there is trying to take advantage of the situation and in this opportunity, and I, I think unfortunately they should uh, face the consequences and uh, hopefully stop as soon as possible, and we can um, hopefully go like try and improve uh, the world and living conditions and uh, the life of many uh, many immigrant groups across. America and Canada and everywhere. So just wanted to mention that quickly. Um, I don't know if any of your thoughts or if you wanted to mention anything, uh, Farouk, but it's quite a yeah. shocking thing to see. Yeah, I followed um, the situation pretty from pretty far away. Um, I 
um, have been trying not to get sucked into the news cycle too much uh, for a while now. But, uh, you know, it's not the first time something like this has happened um, in recent memory, and it probably won't be the last. But, um, you know, to the extent that there are system uh, systemic um, issues that need to be addressed, I hope they do get addressed um, due to some of the pressure that's being put. I agree with most of uh, what you said. I don't con condone violence or looting or things like that. I mean, I am a big fan of... Um, um, non-violent movements as a way to achieve um, goals and um, as, to, as a way to achieve political goals. Um, and I think violence only begets more violence and it makes things harder uh, for the people who are trying to achieve something. So it kind of backfires. Um, yeah, but those are you know, just a few of my thoughts based on what I've seen and uh, been exposed to. Yeah, and hopefully you're doing... Okay, and uh, and I know obviously you're from, like I said, San Francisco, and a lot of major cities are experiencing uh, a lot of uh, disturbing scenes. So hopefully you're, you're, you and your family are doing all right. And uh, yeah, so to uh, go from a kind of a somber note to, I think something that we've all been waiting for, and uh, something that's really exciting to me oh, and I'm hoping to all of you guys is finally the Figsy finally Figsy was able to uh, stop flip-flopping and actually agree to dates to restart the season obviously they were looking at the potential dates of June 13th and 20th and kind of everyone was uh, holding their breath because as we all know uh, the decision making of the Figsy is not the, the, the is not a one. So uh, a lot of the time we didn't know if they were going to succumb to the pressure because there was a lot of backlash and a lot of people didn't want the season to be restarted. But uh, they held a meeting and followed up with the announcement, and I'm really happy to report that yeah, we are going to be starting the season again. Um, obviously. Copa Italia is going to start first on June 13th. Uh, just for anyone who hasn't heard the news or has kind of been out of the loop, I know with uh, the coronavirus still going on and now obviously the events that were taking place just recently. Uh, if anyone was out, yeah. So June 13th, Juve is going to play Milan in the semifinals. Uh, I'm going to assume that's going to be at the U at the J Stadium. Um, the next day, Napoli will play Merda. Uh, in the semifinals, and I think everyone knows that who knows who that is. Uh, and then uh, three days later, the Coppa Italia final will be taking place. Again, I don't think anyone knows on the where, apparently, but again, all of this is going to be behind closed doors anyway, so not necessarily that it matters. Um, June 20th, big date, match day 25, catch-up round. There's going to be four games on tap. And uh, then three days later... On June 23rd, we're going to be getting back to the first full round, which is going to be awesome because uh, that's finally going to kick off the... Uh, I know UFC's gotten back, uh, various other sports, but now now finally is going to be coming back, and that's I'm really excited. It's been really boring without being able to watch sports. And then everything goes well, and obviously they've said that if there was any problems um, 
they'd look to other, I guess, formats, maybe a playoff. That's still kind of in in their minds, but hopefully everything goes well by August 2nd. 1920 season will end. And then hopefully the Champions League starts. Uh, there's uh, been rumors that the August is going to be the Champions League month, and uh, it just sounds like, to me, that's such a great kind of transition. We're going to get all of our seasons done, and then we're going to be able to have like one month jam pack of Champions League football. Um, and obviously, I believe there's match day 27 or 26 that's going to be added in somewhere there because there's some teams that are need to finishing some games as well. So, Farouk, what do you think of the annou- announcement and? Uh, what was like? What did you expect? Uh, because obviously the fixie is very indecisive as of late. Yeah. Um, so my, to be honest, I did not have any expectations, and I thought that season could really be cancelled, or um, you know, we could postpone it indefinitely. Uh, depending on the situation, and now that um, hopefully everything is a little bit more safe and under control, I am very excited that um, we have the opportunity as fans to be able to start watching uh, culture again. And um, um, it's been a hard time without having football and without um, you know being able to engage with other fans too, um, like. As you know, we have some chat groups and communities and also on Twitter and um, uh, other social media. And it's been fairly quiet in some ways without um, all that action to feed us more material to to engage with. And um, I'm glad that that's coming back. I'm glad that the community is going to have um, a new lease on life uh, with this. And I think... It seems, in a way, it seems that cool. For who? Yo, one sec. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, Sorry. I lost you for a second. Okay, so if you want to just pick it up where uh, you uh, the beginning. Left... No, just pick it up where you left off. You were talking about. Uh, the uh, the uh, chat groups not being or coming back. Yeah, and yeah, and, and as you know that we have uh, all these chat groups on WhatsApp and Discord and um, and obviously we have the Curva Twitter and uh, other social media platforms as well where Juve fans, Juventini engage with each other. Um, those have been um, somewhat quiet for uh, some time now, so it'll be good to see a fresh um, breath of air um, on those platforms and uh, for a bit for new material for fans to engage with. Um, and um, I am particularly excited that um, you know we've had we've had a few months of pain in terms of not having footballing action, but we're going to be repaid with that in terms of pretty intense footballing action, like every three days or whatever, that sounds uh, really exciting to me. Uh, although I'm sure it's going to be hard on the players, but from a fan perspective, I think it's going to be uh, pretty spectacular. 
Yeah, and not to, not to forget, but uh, yeah, no, you were the uh, you were the head of the WhatsApp group, so I'm definitely gonna drop that in the uh, description. And uh, if you aren't involved, which I would be shocked, because this thing has been passed around, <laughs> I don't know how many times. But if you're not in the WhatsApp group, uh, I will definitely leave that in the description as well as the Discord group. Which Farouk, you were the uh, you're the man in charge. You uh, you set this all up and brought us all together. So it's um, it's great to see, yeah. and um, I, I enjoy taking part in all of these yeah. conversations. Yeah, I and mean, I would like to kind of give you a little plug here because um, when I started, it was slow at the beginning, and now these these things have taken lives of their own. And I know you're going through um, your the start of your podcast and building up. A following on YouTube, and um, it takes time and takes a lot of effort, and it look it it is much harder than it looks from the outside. So I wish you the best, and I really hope that anybody listening to this um, becomes a subscriber and um, gives you a helping hand in your efforts. Well, well, thanks, Farouk. I pre really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I do, I do know what you mean. It is. Uh... It is a grind, but uh, yeah, no, just going to be pumping out some content and, uh, you know, just having a good time, having fun. But uh, yeah, no, uh, back to the, I guess, uh, decision there. Uh, I think what also helped was England and Spain announcing earlier that they would resume. And I think that's a big kind of push for uh, for Italy because of the kind of... Uh, trying to one-up everyone, you know, if, if they finish the season and we don't. I think it kind of it gives everyone a general push to to get it done, whereas obviously France, Holland, and some other countries completely shut down. So now they're risking of having to play the Champions League without playing any season. Uh, personally, in my opinion, I thought they made a mistake by deciding to shut down that quickly. I know it, the numbers were were very hard to swallow, but... Uh, I think uh, it was done the right way with everyone shutting down. And I, I, th I think it was always going to be a hard, it's always going to be hard to get back to normal, but just because something's hard doesn't mean you don't go through with it. Right. And uh, I mean, there's risk in everything. So why open up the country if, if uh, you can't, Right, because everything on June third, I believe, or is going to be fully back open. Like the borders will be open and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a uh, hopefully smooth, successful end. And uh, yeah, no, for, for, like you said, for the fans, it's going to be. It's I think it's going to be incredible. These guys had a couple months off, and hopefully, they can get back in shape and. I mean, they're millionaires. I yep. don't feel I don't feel too sorry for them having to play that much. I mean, especially I mean, it's a sport you love, right? Like, hey, if I could get paid, sign me up right now, right? So, yeah. Um, but then uh, just to bring in the fact that Champions League um, is going to potentially be in August, uh, there was a UEFA spokesperson who came out to say that there was no decision made yet, but. There should be one at the executive committee on June 17th for the Champions League and uh, the Europa League. So they're, uh, if anyone hasn't heard in the news, they're talking about moving the final to August 29th and um, 
possibly won't take place in Istanbul anymore. I mean, I don't know if you'd want to have it there and lose your chance to make, obviously, the revenue and uh, the fans coming in. So I think it's just the right, put it in the safest place that they can. Some other things of note as to talk about, obviously, uh, they're going to try and finish, oh, they're going to have to finish the round of 16 fixtures that didn't take place. Obviously, Juve playing Lyon uh, at home was one of them. Um, and then they're even looking to make the quarterfinals and semifinals one-leg uh, games at a neutral location, and then obviously the final being a one-leg uh, game at obviously another, well, possibly the same or a different neutral location and obviously no fans. So uh, what do you think of that? Uh, I guess, like you said, is it going to be really strenuous on the team? Do you think we have enough depth or uh, what do you, what do you take of what the, what UEFA is thinking of doing? Yeah. So the one leg idea is interesting. Um, historically, Juve hasn't done too well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, at least we don't have Allegri as coach, so that may be... Right, that's, that's true. <laughs> I, I think maybe Sari is our X-factor here. <laughs> um, but I, I think, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if uh, we are better prepared or worse prepared than other top clubs, but I really hope that our team has the right mentality and they are pumped up and, you know, they will do everything that is possible to they're well rested um, they should mentally be sharp hopefully and in the right physical and mental condition to really take on this challenge and uh, do everything possible to bring home something big this year yeah so, it does seem like it's trending towards that i mean some people say well do the germans have a an advantage because they've obviously started early and i believe they're going to be finished a little bit earlier so are they going to be in shape and also fresh because maybe they'll have a little bit of time before. I can't remember which date they finish on, but uh, I don't know if it's either in the middle of June or at the end of June. But so they might have a month off, and then obviously you look at some of the the, the champions or the the championships that have been obviously shut down. Those teams won't be playing at all. So will they be fresh or will Juve be uh, March March ready or April ready, as Allegri used to say? So. Maybe it'll be the perfect recipe to uh, to bring home the, this damn trophy that we've been waiting for. Yeah, yeah. But and, and uh, no, we can nobody hope. Really knows. Nobody really knows. We can argue whichever way, but um, at the end of it, you know, I'm choosing to stay positive and hoping for the best. Exactly, exactly, man. Well, there's been a, uh, a lot of controversy on... Uh, on Twitter about this uh, Killini autobiography. And um, yeah, I think we're going to get into that now. Killini uh, obviously bringing up uh, his time with uh, the, the Azzurri and talking about uh, Balotelli, saying he was a negative person. He had no respect for the group. And uh, during the Confed Cup in 2013, which you, Italy took part in, the, uh, he wasn't willing to help anyone, he said, and he deserved a punch in the face. He's also commented to say that some people said that he was a top five striker, that being Balotelli, but he doesn't see him even in the top 20. Then he goes on to talk about Felipe Melo, who was a teammate in, uh, I believe it was 
oh nine ten ten eleven or yeah ten eleven and was the worst of the worst <laughs> also always risked the fight in training uh he's made comments about vidal saying that he drinks too much um he's and then vidal kind of all, all of these guys hit back with in different ways um, but uh, Vidal said what is said in the dressing room or what is done in the dressing room stays in the dressing room. So, you know, it's kind of crazy that he uh, obviously, at first I thought it was a biography, so I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe someone was writing that was writing it was trying to, you know, fish and kind of put a spin on different things to, to get a reaction. But I actually found out it was an autobiography, so... A lot of it, I guess, that he 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 wrote himself. So um, <laughs> I guess, um, yeah. What do you think of the backlash? A lot of people are calling him a snake. Um, a lot of people are saying no leader should should speak like that, and um, kind of bringing up the the idea that you know, in sports in general, is there a code in the locker room um, that's kind of binding? I mean, obviously, he didn't release this when he's retired, right? So. A lot of the a lot of the people that he did some people he talked about obviously were retired but a lot of them obviously were uh, uh, still playing obviously not on the same team but yeah. obviously they're still in the game so kind of what's your thought on that about you know a code and uh, all this kind of backlash that a lot of people were you know if you've watched Al Al's video as uh, recently a lot of people were even calling into question. Uh, Buffon and Chiellini as losers, quote unquote, <laughs> because yeah. of this situation. And obviously, we'll get into the final next. Kind of that's that's my sticking point. But uh, yeah, just your opinion on what what you've heard and and yeah, uh, yeah well, what your feelings are about that. Um. Yeah. So that's a really complicated one because. I understand people's reactions both ways. Um, I personally have an image of Chiellini in my mind um, that's been built over a long period of time and not just this book. And I think he's a pretty well thought out and responsible person. And um, so I like to use that as sort of the base to when it comes to analyze what's um, gone on with the book um from what i've seen with books a lot of times it seems to be the case that um books kind of play up a bunch of events or sensationalize things and i'm not sure how much of that is going on here um i, I mean with balotelli i think he has you know balotelli does give that kind of impression and he speaks I for himself he speaks for himself, <laughs> right? And I don't know if he has come out and disagreed with what, what Kirini has said, but I, um, I, I, I think that um, Kirini has the right to his opinion. And um, um, with, uh, when it comes to Balotelli, for sure. Um, when it comes to Vidal, like they're not playing together. Um, they are, um, I don't know what their relationship used to be back in the day, but, um, you know, obviously he's not taking it in a positive light at the moment. And it's complicated 
for me to think about that and um, to process it. But I think at the end of the day, um, I tend to go with, I, I don't want to call it freedom of speech, but he has a right to have his opinion and he has a right to, um, you know, state his opinion if he chooses to do so. And he also would realize that there may be or probably will be a backlash if he says things like these. Um, and there has been a backlash. So, you know, I think he isn't an adult. He made his choice and um, he is um, seeing the consequences, good and bad. And I think that's fair. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, the fact that he says it. Um, and in terms of a code of conduct, um, Like when I, I, when I, like when I when I played sports, right? There was kind of yeah. like this, you know, what happens if 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 someone's acting like, I, I mean, obviously I've, I haven't played at this le- at the top levels, right? But you know, when you hear about certain things happen where some guy steps out of line, or, or um, you know, someone made a mistake or whatever, two guys went at it or whatever, two guys scrapped in practice or whatever the case may be, it's kind of something that you just kind of. You, you let it stay in the room and nothing goes out the door, right? What's said between between your brothers, obviously on your team, you know, that's one thing, but you don't kind of get it. You don't let it go out. You know, obviously my opinion was clear. There was only really one thing that I found, and obviously I would love to read it. I got to read the whole thing to get the full context because obviously a lot of this was over Twitter and people were commenting different uh, segments and kind of the 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 hit pieces and like the fire starters. So obviously for me, I have really no problem with anything that he said about the, these former players because we already know all of this. So it, it's nothing new. It just came out of Chiellini's mouth, right? Balotelli has always been a troublemaker, has always not given his hundred. And, you know, I think that's fair criticism towards him. Felipe Melo, scumbag player have no problem with him talking shit to Felipe Melo. I mean, that guy is was the biggest, one of the biggest busts when we were trying to recover from basically purgatory after Calciopoli. And then to comment about Galatasaray and the guy's just a scumbag. Vidal, you know, it was kind of a, a hit and miss. Uh, obviously, he wasn't happy about saying he dra- drank too much, but again, that's, that's nothing uh, really new. For Juve fans, I mean, obviously, before the year before he left, um, there was a Copa America, and he crashed his Ferrari when he was under the influence. Yeah. So really, um, it's nothing really that we didn't know. Obviously, the we had a lot of the South American players that were always going out and stuff like that. That was known, right? So, to me, what he said wasn't anything new. So I don't, like I said, some people took. I was actually surprised people took into real heart obviously then there was a lot of trolling as well yeah. and you know how it is when something comes out like that um but my only real fault um was with him discussing what happened in cardiff and uh yeah. essentially he goes on to say that they were exhausted at halftime exhausted you know we come to a one one draw they get to the locker room and they're done then, yeah, he names uh, Pjanic and Mandzukic, I think, specifically there, right? Yeah, exactly. So, 
He says, we're done, we're tired, we're exhausted. They go on to play the second half and essentially says that after the 2-1 goal, which I believe was like a deflection, it was like a horrible goal to go ahead. And he said basically the team was deflated, including himself, and he thought that the game was essentially over. And to me, that is the hardest pill to swallow. I honestly don't believe it. I still think because he's obviously with the club now, he's the captain. He's not gonna. He's not gonna spill the beans. I don't think anyone's gonna spill the beans on that event yep. for at least till at least everyone retires. Yep. And then maybe some book will, someone's book will come out, and I can't see it being that. Juve had about twenty odd days to prepare for the final. Um, but let's say it did happen. I think all those players deserve the fans who travel out there to cheer for the bunch of bums. If that was the case, like you go yeah. into a final and you're exhausted at halftime tied to the best team in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really hard to believe. And, um, I can't believe that if that was the case, Agnelli as a president who supposedly runs this club like a business now and like a brand would keep Allegri knowing that this mentality was shot in the dressing room. You know, it, right. it just makes me sick to even think that was a... And, and then a whole bunch of people were bringing up, you know, Chiellini saying uh, it's the hist- it's history of when, when, we, when we beat Tottenham when we came back and how they can never, uh, they can never do anything. And it was just, it was a real, uh, uh, a real spark to... Uh, yeah. Because that kind of came out a little bit after the first. Obviously, I believe Balotelli and Chiellini talked it and they reconciled. I mean, that's someone posted on Twitter. Who knows if that's actually real? But yeah. So, uh, and obviously Vidal kind of was said that there was a lot in the book that he said great things about Vidal, but he was kind of more of towards that alcoholic part. And then this came out a little bit later, and people were just furious, and I understandably so. I mean, you'd have a team that's been that's given their all, and they that was the same year that we beat Barcelona three nil, and yep. basically dismantled them. And you're telling me that a team that gets one one at halftime is exhausted and just dies, and yep. Allegri can't say anything to motivate these guys, and you're in a final. I don't know. I kind of. It's tough to believe that, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I have, as much as I have respect for Kalini, someone just come out and say what happened. Like, cut the yeah. BS with all this. I uh, agree with you for um, pretty much the whole analysis that you gave. I mean, you, you know, I think so. If you had to say that Kilini is a good person, then your interpretation would be that Chiellini did not uh, talk about dressing room stuff in a bad manner. He actually tried to protect his teammates about Cardiff, and he talked about drinking problems and Balotelli, which are kind of non-dressing room-related issues for the most part. And so, therefore, he is actually being responsible in what what he said. So there's that kind of view, that um, argument that you can make. But when it comes to the Cardiff uh, final specifically, um, yeah, I mean, I think it just is really hard to say things like 
oh, we had a big bust up and so-and-so is to blame and, yeah. you know, take sides in that conflict and um, name specific players. And, you know, what if there were multiple people who were responsible on, you know, if it's, if, if it's that one side is right and one side is wrong, but everybody was wrong kind of thing, you know, everybody got... And involved. they're all still there, right? And, and there are a lot of them. Or are still a lot there. of them, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, or... Maybe the answer is that we were not good enough, and you know, do you how do you communicate that to the fans and um, supporters? Um, so I think it's quite possible that he's being diplomatic with that answer, yeah. and um, you know, maybe when he's um, twenty years older, then he'll come up with a real version of what happened. But um, I I guess we're not going to hear it quite yet. No, exactly. See, just Farouk, it just is so difficult for me to believe that we weren't good enough, just the way we were playing in the first half. Yeah. And then to go into the dressing room one-one, and I mean, you have three subs at the at the point. Obviously, Cuadrado gets sent off later on, but um, it just to me it just seems too like too coincidental that it was like, oh yeah, we were just all exhausted, we were all dead, we weren't prepared yeah. for this. It was another final and. We, we're always too late when it comes to finals. Just not a great... And like I said, he's going to take the heat for it. He has taken the heat for it now. But um, yeah, that turns into another thing. So then I start reading on Twitter. Dybala's in line to be the next captain. And I'm like, did they strip Chiellini or something like that? I just... Yeah. I came in at the wrong moment. And... No, that isn't the case. Uh, it was just a conversation, and I'm actually really happy to hear that um, Dybala looking to sign his extension, which seems to be taking forever. I don't know what they're waiting. It took like a week to sign Kadir's extension, but you know, when it's Dybala, we have to take over a year and a half. But anyways, he is uh, geared up to be, or is in line to be the next captain of Juventus, and I think it's really uh, great to see someone who has uh, really shown his mental fortitude and has come out yeah. and uh, really uh, played. I mean, he's been the catalyst, I think, of this whole year. I think he's been our best player this whole year. And um, you can really see in the key moments when he comes on, there's an injection of of not just fire, but like really wanting will to win. So I, I, I agree full, fully with the club and wanting to make him the uh, the next captain. And, I mean, people were going on about him being mentally weak. You know, it was a big topic last year, but uh, I think it was just no one had an actual re legitimate fault against the ball, and they were just trying to come up with something. And that was, you know, you heard it on all these podcasts. Oh, he's not mentally strong. And then he'll have, like, an amazing game, and then you don't hear about it again. It's like you don't turn, you don't turn the switch on and off in, like, two games. Uh, it, there was clearly something with Allegri, but obviously that's we don't have to worry about that anymore. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Dybala possibly being the next captain? Yeah, I think Dybala is... Um, um, you know, I have stayed out of pro Dybala and anti-Dybala camp for the most part. <laughs> I've kind of um, stood on the sidewalks, uh, side uh, sidelines, sorry, and um, uh, viewed it from there and been a neutral to it. Um, I think there's no doubt this year He's done really well, and um, he has showed his desire um, to stay at the club. Um, 
I mean, his mannerisms do remind me of uh, Del Piero a little bit, to be honest, um, because Del Piero was also the kind of shy, quiet kind of guy, like a silent leader. Um, and uh, Dybala is that kind of, um, um, you know, also besides having the number 10, um, they have some similarities there. Um, and they have a pretty strong connection. If you've been following on social media, they've done yeah. uh, some Instagram lives, and uh, it's really right. nice to see. And it really seems like he wants to be there. And uh, unfortunately, right. we had to uh, experience what happened last summer. But, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so I think it seems to be um, a good fit, and I'm glad it's working out for him and for Juve. Um, you know, after all that happened over the last summer, um, I think things are going in a good direction. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I think I think some really big talking points now is, speaking of all last summer, is obviously the potential transfer of Dybala. But, you know, hopefully we won't have to see that. Obviously, there has been multiple rumors. I mean, everybody's in the in the in the is in the works for a deal. Everyone's bored. Everyone's throwing ideas out there. It seems like there's a, every day there's about 50 different transfer headlines and from every news outlet in the, in the game. So, um, yeah, I just, it's, it's really strange to see how many different, obviously, like I said, I think a lot of people are bored and trying to come up with stuff, but I, I don't see Juve being incredibly active just uh, looking at our financial situation, it's going to be tough, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and, and honestly, I like I've always said, I hate transfer markets. I can't stand transfer seasons. It's literally just went from going from Pogba to not not <laughs> leaving, and then he did leave. It just after that year it was just ru- it just ruined me. So, yeah. it's um, and we really have no idea what is going to happen with this transfer season because everything's been pushed back, right? So. Um, the new season is going to start obviously September 1st is what they've been saying. They want everyone to be done by, by, uh, obviously the first. And mm-hmm. so the Champions League final is apparently going to be on the 29th of August. So in my honest opinion, I think it's going to be kind of a shortened window anyways. And it's going to be something where it's going to be possibly in August to end of September or October, but Obviously, if it's in August, you can't bring anyone into your squad because yeah, that would kind of, I mean, I, I'd hope they'd do that. But you'd think they'd be smart enough to say that. But Or else teams will just be buying just to bring in uh, recruits for semis in the final. But right. uh, we obviously don't know. And obviously, that's a UEFA and FIFA decision to see what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't see uh, much meaning... Uh, I don't see much meaning to. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of swap deals um, because the money really just isn't there. And uh, yeah. if you look at the half season financials, uh, we are down fifty million in the whole overall. So yeah, it's going to be yeah. tough, right? It's going to be tough. What do you think about uh, kind of the action that will obviously take place? Yeah, that everyone's I don't know. hyping on. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 kind of curious um if um UEFA will allow clubs to have some kind of leeway with FFP in the sense that um 
they may allow Anyali, for example, to or XOR to put in some cash into the club. Yeah, that's a great um, point. Yeah, I mean, if theoretically, if something like that happens, then that could be interesting in the sense that um, Uve could be is one of the clubs that has a strong backing, but then that also benefits other clubs like PSG. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's a dual-edged sword. Well, and uh, recently, recently, they today, well, obviously today, they've signed Dicardi. 50 million euros plus 8 million bonus. Obviously, a, Juve, a non-Italian clause, or a, basically a clause that they would have to pay, I believe it's 12 or 15 million euros to enter if they sell them to any other Italian club. And obviously, they've bought Telus for 25 million. I'm not sure how those are structured, if they're pay over four year or what the financing is on them. But um, yeah, big moves from BSG already. And what, you know, Telus was a, a player sought out, I think, by a lot of, a lot of Juventini wanted him because, uh, you know, he's a capable yep. fullback and that's what we're looking for. And 25 million is not a steep price. And even yep. 50 million for Riccardi is not really a steep price, you know. They're saying he was going for a uh, hundred million. They wanted a hundred million. So, but it seems all Juve is always late to the party, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always kind of wonder about what is going on in management's head because, on the surface at least, Agnelli is connected like nobody else, right? He's the head of the chairman of the ECA, European Club Association. And um, he regularly meets with um, the CEOs and chairmen or whatever of um, the top clubs in Europe. Um, so he knows what's going on and he has kind of a lot of insider knowledge in terms of what the UFA is going to do, uh, what's going to happen with FFP, um, and also the market and how you should move in the market based on all that stuff. So um, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen, you know, given that PSG is making these big moves, if um, um, that means that there is um, some leeway on FFP because you think that PSG has been having a hard time financially too. I haven't looked at their financials, but, you know, I'm sure they're feeling the pain with their red budget and all that stuff. Well, they know how to finagle their financials. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they have good accountants, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think it's... I, I think overall, I'm still, you know, like I said before, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm kind of optimistic about the situation. I think there are there are scenarios where things could work out well for Juve. Um the in sort of the aftermath of um coronavirus yeah um, and i yeah. think i think clubs are going to be more open to this kind of swap deal uh mentality or kind of system now because i think a lot of a lot of clubs are all in the same boat they're not getting in that revenue that they need but like you said again we don't know what is going to happen and we don't know what they're communicating with the clubs about what they could do and obviously the market isn't open yet right so this is all kind of future speculation and uh but it has been reported obviously that uv uh won't be spending uh i believe anywhere uh they obviously have it's 
going to be more than eight million. They're looking for contracts below that. Obviously, we've just discussed on the last podcast the uh, use of the salary cap that they're going to be imposed. Um, but uh, you know, there's been a lot of names out there. So I think what we should do next is kind of uh, go through a list of a bunch of them and kind of uh, drop our opinions on what we think and I know that the first one is going to be a pretty common name I think everyone's going to know this everyone's got their opinion but Artur from Barcelona so for me I don't want this guy didn't want to come he said multiple times been reported multiple times he doesn't he wants to stay with Barcelona it seems like they want to get rid of him and um a player who isn't wanted by the club and he doesn't want to sign there is not a good combination and I don't think giving up Pjanic for what PSG and, like I said, I had said multiple times, would were looking at 60, 70, 80 million last year to now give him up for a guy who, you know, he's young, he has some potential, but really he didn't want to come here. So, And it's been such a commotion, obviously. Again, transfer season hasn't started, but for someone to not come out and say and deny that or to come out and say... You know, actually, I would like to play there and whatnot. To me, I would not go ahead with that. What do you, what do you think of all the dramatics around Artur? Yeah, yeah. So I absolutely, absolutely do not want a player who does not want to come to Juve. I think that's how the club has operated in the past, and I think they should continue doing that. Um, it's just, um, you know, we shouldn't want players who aren't hungry to play for Juve or don't have the respect for the shirt or whatever you want to call it. Um, the we have two problems, right? On the one hand, that Arthur doesn't want to come to Juve. On the other hand, Pjanic does not want to stay at Juve. So that that's kind yeah. of the way that well, we're. And, and Barcelona to. really wants him. From what yeah. I've heard, they they're really pushing hard because uh, the next couple of players I have on my list, you know, Dembele has been has been linked, obviously, uh, as a potential replacement in the deal for. Arthur as well as and then they, Frankie De Jong has also been talked about but that's been yeah. heavily uh, disputed. I'm not sure I'd want De Jong. I know we, we got Matthias De Ligt who's uh, an amazing piece that we picked up. I think he's not the. I think he's a, he's a system player and he fits that mold that Ajax and Barcelona have but I don't think, I don't think he's a Juve player so yeah. I mean to get an, a, a young player would be nice, obviously, because we seem to only pick up guys that are <laughs> aging. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then I believe Ansu Fati as well has been linked. But I'm just really not liking uh, this whole situation. I would almost just keep Pjanic if, until everything is kind of sorted. Maybe wait till this new window opens and, and see what happens then because... I'm just not liking what teams are wanting. I also, uh, Chelsea has been pushing possibly for uh, Jorginho Pjanic uh, swap. Uh, they've stated that they want, they value Jorginho at 40 million euros. And um, Sadi seems to really like the idea. I think it would be good for him. I don't know if I'd want to give up someone like Pjanic for Jorginho. Just because I think he holds his value, even though he hasn't, Pjanic really hasn't uh, showcased well this, well, obviously the season that's now been prolonged, but uh, 
I still think that it's. I would like to bring Jorginho, but not at uh, at an extensive price. But I, I think he does fit the system, right? He knows what's how Saudi wants to play. He's been with him at obviously Napoli and Chelsea, so that would kind of be, I think, a decent pickup. Uh, you know, you got it's it's. I find we a lot of fans we think about oh, but yeah, but he's not a a great player, or we we like to throw that around when you kind of need to find players that are going to work in the system that you have, right? So, mm-hmm. to me, I wouldn't mind that. As a, what do you think of Jorginho as a pickup in the midfield? Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of roll it back and kind of go through all the options, if that's okay. Yeah, no problem. You mentioned. Um, so, I think Pjanic, you know, I've personally um, been a fan of him and I've also seen him struggle, but I've also realized that, or at least, told myself that uh, part of his struggles were the fact that he barely got any rest um, and that he was exhausted for a lot of the games um, and uh, and he's not a very physical player. So, you know, with those two attributes or those two factors combined, um, it has been hard for him to be effective recently uh, before the season was um, postponed. But um, I think he is a very capable player and he has potential. I mean, you know, there's a reason why Barcelona and PSG and Chelsea want him, like top clubs around Europe exactly. want him. It's not because he's not a good player or a great player. Um, and um, But since he doesn't seem to want to stay at Juve, I think, you know, given Juve's um, sort of tradition, if you want, uh, of allowing the players' will. Um, I um, I hate that line. Yeah. I really no, hate that line. It's, it's a loaded term. It's a loaded term. Because but, it doesn't um, work because it doesn't work when they it's the will of the player until they have you locked like Kadira on a six million dollar six six million euro contract for three more years and then right. the will of the club means shit to the player. He's just gonna sit on that contract, and right. but when it's will of the player leaving, it's oh they always get the preference. But anyways, right. yeah, <laughs> just my yeah. just my two cents on that. Oh, I can't stand that line. Yeah, I mean, so so philosophically, I would think that if Pjanic is bitter about staying at Juve, he's not gonna do well. He's you know that's kind yeah. of the argument that um, I have in my head that he's not gonna. But I'm not sure if it's that strong of him not wanting to stay. I, th- I think there's been a lot of rumors, and that's kind of driven it. I'm not sure if exactly like he hasn't necessarily come out and said that he wants to leave or anything like that. So I think it's kind of yeah. all speculative. But I get what you're sure. saying, and yeah, if he doesn't want to play, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean it's, it, it, it's it rumors for sure. Um, but usually, always gonna... usually always handcuffs us. Is that that's kind of what I get to? It's when someone yeah. comes out and says that, it's like, oh, well, we're handcuffed. There goes $20 million off the price. Right, right. Yeah, we... And, you know, I want us to do a good deal if we do sell. That's... Um, that that would be my number one priority. Like, I don't want us to be taken advantage of. And um, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Um, so the Barcelona players, I think I would personally... Um, I could see the case against it too, but I, I would personally um, exchange him or throw, get some money in addition for Frankie, Frankie de Jong. 
Um, the reason being, um, number one, he's younger, he's adaptable, he can play all over the park pretty much. And um, even though he's a system player, like you mentioned, I think he could be a fit with um, Sari's system in terms of what he was trying to do with one-touch passing and all that stuff. True, um, true. So I could see a case for him, and I think with him and Bentancur, Bentancur together, we could have a really strong uh, midfield partnership. Um, and so, who, so who would you put with that? So you'd put De Jong, uh, Bentancur as like a regista? Yeah, and then who's, be, uh, who's your other player, Rabiot or Ramsey, or do you see him leaving? Or um, I think Ramsey would probably be it, but um, Rabiot, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the idea of you know dark horses, and everybody <laughs> says crap about Rabiot all day long, and I don't know, maybe there's a twist in the tail, or maybe there's not. I, I, I just don't know. But uh, for, I've talked to people who've seen him play at PSG and who swear he was a really, really good player. So, yeah. how much of that is mental? Uh, you know, just it's the money. It's the money. Yeah, it's the money. Is he, is he depressed? Like, what's going on? I oh, when you when you play for a club like PSG, right, and then you're getting paid this salary, and obviously we got him for free, yeah. and obviously he st- didn't want to play, right? He was holding out uh, right. at PSG because he well his contract demands weren't getting mm-hmm. taken care of, right? So. Mm-hmm. And then we had to pay all this money, like seven and a half million, and I believe there's a two million bonus on that as well. So it could yeah. be out as high as nine and a half million. So that's a lot of money. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. and there is interest. So, but we'll get into that in in a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah, we so have just, some. Uh, oh, go ahead, man. Continue on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just to kind of wrap this up quickly, um, Dembele, I. The few times I have seen him, I've been impressed. Like, he's a pretty exciting player. Um, and he's sort of another... I think he's a real dark horse. Um, somebody who could really explode. Um, you know, I don't think it's happening for him at um, Barcelona. But um, I think at a different club, he could do really well in a different system. Um, he has a lot of skill and pace. And um, I think he's a pretty exciting player. Uh, but very different to Pjanic, so we'll have to figure out, you know, who's going to move where uh, if we try to do a Dembele deal. Um, Ansu Fati, I'm not, I've only heard the hype. I don't know a lot about him. I just know from Barcelona fans that they they were really excited about him. Um, but he's young, so I would hope that um, we get some money um, if he ends up being the option. But um, yeah. It's th- kind of unknown at this point. I think they're trying to dump a lot of players that they don't like anymore on us. Is what they're yeah. doing that they've come out of favor. They're, they're really, obviously, they want to get a player like Pjanic, right? But uh, well, yeah, they I want just, to sign. They want to sign Neymar too, apparently, still. So yeah, that, so they're they're gonna... they're trying to build up the, those dollar figures so that uh, they can they can pose a deal and. And yeah, who who knows? There could be there could be some movement if the, if that's the case because uh, PSG's also been linked with Ronaldo, right? Recently, but right. you know we've been hearing that you know for a couple of years now. Even even when we signed him uh, after his first season, there was heavy talks throughout the whole year that he was going to leave. But yeah. um, no, kind of the yeah. biggest name I think we should get into uh, kind of how you think uh, Paul oh, Pogba. Oh yeah, Pogba. Actually, before that, I'll. Uh, talk about Jorginho quickly, but um, um, with Jorginho, you know, 
I think it fits into Sari's system. He has worked with Sari's before. He's like, you know, one of he's like a Sari's son, so to speak. Um, but at the same time, I he's never really excited me as a player. And you know, there's something to be said about um, you know when when a player comes to your team and there's genuine excitement and a buzz around the club. Uh, I think there's something to be said about that. You know, it's not the end all and be all, but um, right. I think that's something that Paul Pogba would bring. Um, but I think Pogba at this point, I wonder if his head is, is in the right place. See, I'm not worried about that. I'm just, I don't think financially it's going to work at all. Yeah. Because sure. that, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have Pogba back. I mean, that would be tremendous. I mean, that's a big ad player who's won the World Cup, a player that knows the club um, and just has played some phenomenal years under us. But, uh, yeah, no, I just financially I don't see it happening, not now, unless there is some clause that, like you said, in, allows for a cash injection or something. But, you know, I, I really don't see it happening because a lot of the players that were given up, I don't see – I don't see – I don't think they're rated – uh, which is what usually happens to us. All of the players we're trying to sell aren't rated, and all the ones we're trying to buy are 90 to 100 million. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, even exactly. De Bruyne there was, uh, at the beginning there, kind of when talks about coming back were, were flourishing, De Bruyne was named, that he had talked into an interview. and He was in an interview saying that he would like to win the Champions League, obviously, with Ronaldo. And... Uh, that would be something interesting of for of him. So, but again, I mean, I'm, I talked to them in uh, Las Vegas, and uh, the deal's almost signed. <laughs> right. but I, I did I did meet him in Vegas. That was pretty cool. But um, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't see that happening either. Even though he's yeah, a great I, player. Yeah, but with with Pogba, I mean, I don't know. Another thing, I don't know if he's good value for money even if we were to be able to get him. Although you could argue that his contract is uh, winding down and Manu will eventually be forced to, you know, bring the value down to try to get I, something. I think back. he would work a deal. I honestly, I think, I think he would work a deal for us if that was the case. If that's what, if all the news reports are correct and saying he wants to come to UV, he wants to come to UV, I think he would definitely, he would definitely work it in our favor. I believe. Yeah. In my person. Yeah, right. Um, but I don't know if he... Um, like, how he would fit into the current midfield because who's going to be doing the work for him? Because Pogba needs to have players around him who do the work for him to be successful. Like, he you know, is athletic and everything, but he doesn't have the highest work rate out there. Um, so that would be one of my other things and um you know with all this focus seems to be on sort of the financial side of things and marketing and stuff like that um i don't know if he's like ronaldo in the sense that he also keeps his game at the highest level mm-hmm. um you know i mean there's a lot of kind of blame to go around on the manchester manchester united management and um how the squad has been structured and all that but um what part has Pogba played in? Things not going right there. That's, you know, it's an open question. I'm not saying he's 
culpable for everything or most of it, but um, there's some role that um, he did play in that. Well, and something to say too is that he's not going to have Pirlo, he's not going to have Vidal, and he's not going to have Marquisio, right? So mm-hmm. that does change things, right? It's not uh, mm-hmm. not saying that he was ineffective or he was a horrible player or that they were lifting up his talents, but that definitely uh, that definitely changes things. I mean, who you can yeah. rely on next to you and uh, how far when you have someone that you know is capable of winning the ball back or someone who's as gifted as Pirlo was to yeah. put the ball to you or, or to make the right decisions, to make the right passes, where then you are allowed to move forward up the pitch and make yeah. uh, whatever whatever decisions you want and be able to shoot on goal and make some incredible finishes. You know, you're allowed to do that because of some of the players. Does Juve have those players now? I don't think so. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think it would be an incredible ad, but... Uh, yeah, for me, it's more of a financial thing. It just doesn't, uh, it doesn't sit with me being, being, and I mean, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe Peratici will be able to strike a deal, but I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, man, you are tough to work with, so, you know. That's another thing too, yeah, exactly. They're not easy, yeah. All right, so let's get into uh, some Italian, uh, Italian players. So, obviously, the youngsters have been uh, mentioned quite a bit, uh, Tonali, Zaniolo. Um, I think those two players alone would make a perfect perfect signing season, uh, transfer market, if we were able to bring those two in. Obviously, Tonali now has been heavily linked with Inter, mm-hmm. with Merda, and yeah. uh, apparently there's an agreement between the club and the player now a lot of people are speculating that the uh, that Merda's using the money from uh, the Accardi deal to uh, obviously pay for the deal for Tonali. So, again, just seems like we keep missing on players. And then Zaniolo, I mean, I think a lot of people are questioning his fitness after his, uh, I believe it was an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think, you know, in today's medical world, I'm no doctor, but... Uh, there's been various advances in 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 the the length of the treatment and how the 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 amount of time it takes to recover and uh, I don't know if you know of Connor McDavid's hockey player he 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 be, he came back in like record time after having the same injury so I I don't and it doesn't seem like he's phased at all so stronger player back to and who's one of the top players in the league so uh, but to me those are the top two players that I would love to see in a Juve jersey it brings in the Italian kind of mid that we've been looking for and they're young players and you know you need to be developing young players and, and, and relying on young players I think that's one of the faults that Juve has is uh, not relying on on youth and not bringing in the right guys to fill the role so but uh, anyways on those two players what do you think yeah i think um tonali is interesting because he is um he's had a good first season in the upper flight and at the same time he is also very highly hyped um so it's hard to have um 
an accurate read on him almost, just because there's so much hype surrounding him. Right. Um, but I think if we... I think it's up to the management to decide if they want to, right? Like if Pjanic leaves, for example, if they want Benton Court to take that role, if they really believe in him, or if they want a Tonali in there. Um, and um, I think it's a tough decision. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's one factor. <laughs> yeah. It is tough. And then uh, Verratti's been coming, has, uh, his name has kind of been in the uh, news. Uh, with PSG, again, something to look at with Pjanic, I would assume. And, um, you know, it's a tough player to judge because you've seen him take his anger out with the national team a lot and get a lot yeah. of red cards and make stupid decisions. But then you've also watched games where he's played unbelievable. So it's... Yeah. And again, another Italian player wouldn't hurt... Uh, wouldn't hurt uh, the club, I think. I think it's a great... Pick up, but um, again, depending on the terms of that, I think it would be interesting. And then Chiesa has been, I guess, there was a rumor that had recently come out about uh, Perin, Mandragora, and Romero all for Chiesa. So that's kind of what's been put out there. I think that's kind of a lot, kind of a stretch to ask for all yeah. those players, but um, uh, yeah. And then uh, just rolling off a couple more, I mean. Talia Fico has been mentioned. I think he's a great fullback that we could use depending on uh, what happens with it, depending on if De Chilio leaves or not. Or, uh, I mean, some people are wanting Alexandro to leave. I don't think it's the right time just because of all the... Uh, this coronavirus has kind of changed the landscape, right? So I think you can't... I, I wouldn't really play with getting rid of someone that you're looking at not necessarily replacing with the uh, the same price. I'm not sure how much they want for Talia Fico, but if you look at the 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 fullback from Lyon, uh, his name is uh, Aor. Mm-hmm. He's list. They're listing him at 50 million. So really, we're looking we're looking at big bucks to replace someone <laughs> like Alexandro. So I don't see I don't see any way he goes. Even though he doesn't necessarily bring us an offensive edge, I think uh, it's not necessarily a great time to be looking to get rid of fullbacks. I find it's really tough to replace fullbacks. So when you have decent to great fullbacks, you have to keep them and all, even if they've had uh, a tough uh, a tough season. But um, again, yeah. he was he was he, he, another guy that was ran into the ground. By uh, by Saudi. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You got to look at that too, right? So. Yeah, I, I just wish that um, you know it's kind of hard to do it with R- Ronaldo, but I wish that um, Alexandro had more room to go forward and deliver crosses because he's kind yeah. of lost his confidence in doing that. And but he used to be able to be really amazing with that. Oh yeah, the comeback to against Real Madrid. It was it was him and. Uh... Who was that? Oh my god! Who's on the right? Anyways, um, yeah. So that's pretty much it for the the names. I mean, obviously we're gonna we're gonna be hearing a lot more. Um, but uh, some of the names are Tuto Sport uh, listed uh, some potential uh, 
players that have been put on the market. A lot of these, I think everyone's going to know. Iguain, to name one. Obviously, Pjanic, Rugani, Rabiot, Decilio, Pellegrini, Romero, um, Mandragora, Piazza, and Mavididi. So, no Kadir on there, no Bernardeschi on there, no Ramsey on there, and no Douglas Cost on there. So, what are your thoughts on that kind of leak or news, if you want to call it that, of who Juve's listing? Kind of makes sense. Straightforward, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I would say so. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be tough to get rid of Kadir. I think that's one, and even Matuidi. I think those are yeah. guys that you're just holding on to and not extending them and then letting them, uh, letting their contract expire and get rid of that contract. So, yeah, but, um, uh, yeah go ahead. Farouk. I was just going to say that's the only way that, I mean, you know, we we kind of have this, you fans delude ourselves by by thinking that, Oh, we have these really terrible players. Look at how bad Bernadeski is. Look at how bad Kadira is. Look at how bad Dushilio is. And, you know, what we can make 20 million each of them or whatever, like we make up a number and we think that somebody's out there who's crazy, who's going to come and buy these players that we think suck and nobody else realizes they suck. So I always find that interesting that we have yeah, this. It's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta start pra- you gotta start praising them and then maybe it'll work. Right, right. <laughs> Reverse yeah, psychology. We've got to showcase them. We all have Kadira score a couple of goals, and then... well, I, w- I won't. I won't go that far. But <laughs> I mean, I think if the community started praising Kadira and maybe even like he's the goat or something like that, get a campaign <laughs> going because we know Juve likes to do stupid campaigns on their social media. So if we get something like that going, maybe we'll get like a we'll we'll find an Arsenal or a some English Prem club that will be stupid enough to buy him, but uh, I guess that's a little wishful thinking. Eh? <laughs> well, Arsenal can have uh, Mesut Ozil and uh, Kadira together, right? This yeah, have, exactly. This exactly. Have Ozil, I think, yeah. So kind of to wrap this up, um, who are two players that you really want to bring in? And, you know, I guess you could think about it reasonably, but, uh, you know, maybe two players reasonably that we'd bring in and kind of like your, your, your pick that, you probably don't think is going to happen, but you would really like to have on the club. Farouk? Yep, I'm back. <laughs> Did you hear me? Um, yeah, who can we bring in reasonably and who can okay. we bring in Perfect. sort of aspirationally? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, reasonably speaking, um, out of all the players we've talked about, I would like uh, Frankie De Jong the most. Okay. And I think for that, it'll have to be a swap deal for Pjanic. Um, and among the Italian players, that's a little tough for me because um, I guess if I had to forecast the future and say that Zaniola is going to be fit from now on I think he could be a good pick for us so those would be a couple of players um, that I think we could get reasonably yeah. um, Tonali I would say you know just because I am kind of um, 
ally to Bentonker at this point too much. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Yeah, so I'm a little bit of FC Bentonker. Um, and uh, aspirationally, um, hmm, that is a really tough question, right? Because, I mean, you know, you can obviously say I want Messi and Neymar, but that doesn't yeah, sound exactly. like the right answer. <laughs> um, Anyone else? <laughs> but I, I think Lewandowski would be really amazing, even though he's a little bit older. But okay. inter- as far as strikers go, you know, I don't think you can do better than that. March Marchin would like to hear that. He would like oh, to yeah. hear that a lot. Yeah. Does he like him? or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, good. Good, good. He's Polish. Um, Come on. They got They have to like. They, that, I was, I was guessing that that would work in the right direction, but yeah. you never know if there could be, you know, bad blood among the same culture or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, that's. I think yeah. that makes sense. I think. I think that's a good pick. I think we've always kind of uh, had links to Lewandowski. Never really pulled the trigger, but uh, yeah, uh, I kind of agree. I think Tonali and Zaniola are kind of the perfect. The perfect uh, players we would need. Zaniolo is more of like a uh, a guy that can be moved around. He doesn't necessarily need to be. A, he can be a central attacking mid, central mid, um, and I don't think that affects really Bentancourt because he's kind of taken a. He's done a really uh, good job at the, with the uh, Regista role, right? So, I think yeah. that doesn't change anything. And then you have a guy like Tonali who can go either beside him. And you kind of have really two really talented players. And I think that's kind of what Juve has been lacking in the midfield because uh, when we play teams, they can lock onto onto Pjanic and we are screwed. (laughs) So in the past, we've had Pogba, Marquisio, Pirlo, Vidal, and those are really talented players. And they're very hard to stop because they can all move the ball. And I think that's what we got away from. And I think if you add those two players in the next window, I think we're set for a really long time of successful football. Whereas if we're really looking to anywhere like them, I, mean, I know a lot of guys are looking uh, to reinforce the attack and a lot, of, a lot of guys are looking for fullbacks and stuff like that. I just think in terms of those... There's a lot of players down the line that I think we can invest in that we don't know about yet, and that's kind of the thing that I mentioned with Holland. And sure, he's a he's in a fa- he's a fantastic player. Made me my words, but at the end of the day, uh, there are players coming out of the the woodwork yearly now. It seems like so. I, th- I think a lot of the time we over we we get a little too specific and not look at the big picture. And I mean, Juve's been Juve's been dodging the midfield question for five years, and then they tried to patch it up with a uh, with a uh, a quick fix, two free uh, signings, Rabiot and yeah. Ramsey, and then you're overpaying guys that you're not really a hundred percent sure on. And I have I don't think they've played awful, but they really haven't uh, showcased anything spectacular, right? And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of uh, not a waste to ask the question, but I think we kind of know who's going to be heading out potentially. Um, I think Pjanic is probably most likely going to go. 
and then any yeah. one of the uh, the younger players. Um, I think what we need, what we do is we get the the any anyone essentially who's going to give us a positive plus Valenza is going to uh, uh, has a chance of going because that's what Juve does, and it pisses me off because uh, you look at a guy like Luca Pellegrini who could have really helped us this year, and yeah. Leonardo uh, Spinazzola and Moise Kane. Uh, I find that we we make really bad decisions, or we make marginally bad, uh, like depending on who we're talking about. But we make bad decisions, and we have to make up for them by getting rid of players that we picked up at cheaper prices to inflate their price, and that's how we balance our books essentially. Instead of doing the right thing and you know building uh, the right way, uh, we get forced into this, and that kind of is. You know, it's kind of annoying when you're when you see players that you think are up for it, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we'll just kind of throw something together and hopefully it works uh, because yeah. we need to balance the books and because we did a horrible job uh, finding guys and we have guys that are overpaid. Now yeah. we have to throw that out the window, kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, we're not the only club that's in that situation, right. um, but it, it is um, a reality with FFP, and FFP is not really there to make things fair for clubs. It's there to um, even the playing to field. make sure that yeah, that clubs are sustainable, right? That that clubs have yeah, exactly. um, the the revenues and um, uh, expenditures are in line with each other reasonably, um, but at the same time it makes things hard for uh, clubs like us who are trying to grow or trying to sort of you know because it's kind of like the chicken or egg problem mm-hmm. how do you grow revenue without growing expenses and you know it's very risky to try to grow one uh, to, to try to grow, grow revenue without um, really doing increasing much expenses your and increasing your cost and you know that's kind of the road we've taken, and um, it's um, kind of hard to tell at this point how it's going to play out. But um, I, I think we're maybe getting some kind of a lucky break with um, coronavirus because we're in a place where those rules will not be implemented as heavily or as strictly as they were in the past. And um, I don't know what the eventual, you know the updated rules are going to look like in the next year or two. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm betting that Agnelli will be arguing for some kind of a leeway that would benefit Juve and that would be appropriate to Juve's circumstances. Yeah, and I think, I think actually that, that works to be the perfect segue because, you know, I had asked Al last podcast about uh, did we kind of catch a break with this coronavirus and... Uh, does uh, in terms of obviously the state of the club, the management, and obviously our financials, and you know, I think as a club we really need to kind of stop and think, almost use this time. And I mean, I don't know if they'll leave. They, like I said, they probably don't care a lot what the fans have to say, and that's fine. They 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 run the club, but I think I think this needs to be an opportunity for the club to really think about how we move on and how we use Ronaldo 
in a way that we're also building, but we're also financially in a good place because I think you can, from what the direction has been, obviously using their financial statements, and I'm actually really looking forward to seeing their financial statement in June or whenever that obviously whenever that's posted. But uh, and we'll probably be another episode on this podcast. Um, but yep. uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And sometimes I ask, do you like? Are we headed in the right direction? Like we, it seemed like we were going so like exponentially. We were climbing, right? We were hitting scudettos. We were hitting Coppa Italia's doubles. Then we go to the final. Okay, we lose. To me, it just seems like in these last few years, we've kind of hit a plateau after Cardiff. And yep. it's almost a little bit like we're spiraling a little bit because the financials are a little bit getting out of hand. You know, the club is diluting shares, which means that they're essentially putting more shares out there in the market, basically meaning that your value, well, what you own as in a share is less than what it was before they had done that. Um, and trying to raise money that way also with the bonds, which again isn't free money because we have to pay uh, interest on that. And that's taken every year. And then obviously it's going to mature. I can't remember what year it was, but it will mature eventually. 